Welcome to Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 151. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about the night monster <laughs> and all the mischief and mayhem that he will cause you when you try to run your guns at night if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, we, we had an opportunity, you know, as over the winter, uh, we're, we're lucky enough to have uh, uh, an opportunity to shoot low light for probably four months out of the year, um, depending on, you know, time changes and all that fun stuff. Uh, but we, we got some opportunities to play around the range running uh, carbines or pistol caliber carbine if you wanted to run that, AR pistols if you wanted to run that. Um, and we had a, a, a number of guys show up with their, their tried, true, trusty, rusty, dusty carbine. And then we had a number of guys show up with their brand new whiz bang, whatever that may be, PCC kind of gun, whether that was a, a CT Scorpion or a 10 millimeter CMMG Banshee or a, what was the other one? Yeah, the BNT APC nine uh, K. I'm not sure if it was a pro or I'm not sure if it was a K or not. Yeah. Uh, but either way, show up and run uh, some of those guns that were that while they may have similar controls or, or whatever, a uh, little bit different feel to the gun, etc. And so we were out, we got out and ran some some reps with those, ran some different drills with those types of guns in a low light environment. All fairly simple stuff, but we'll run through kind of what we did. Um, but definitely talk about how the night monster crept up and. Uh, uh, you know, and, and paid a visit to a number yeah. of people, um, you know, and so, and we'll talk a little bit about the whys and the hows to fix it as we go. So for sure. Um, the, the first drill that we did is one that we've done a number of times, right? I mean, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. So we shot accelerator, <clears throat> uh, which is a Ben Stoddard drill. Uh, we put the targets at 10, 25 and 50 yards. Yeah. Um, uh, we had USPSA backers at 10 and 25. Um, uh, and they were, they're about, Almost touching horizontally, yeah, um, but spread linear distance by quite a bit. Yep, yep. And then the target at fifty was, it's what like just smaller than the C zone size steel. Yeah, pro- probably probably actually pretty close to C zone size. Maybe a little bit wider, but a little bit shorter or something like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, it's a qu- I think it's a quarter sized uh, Ipsic silhouette. Yep. So so ish kind of deal. Uh, we were in the steel at fifty to make it a lot easier to reset. Yeah. Target, because uh, we didn't have to walk all the way down there to tape pin things. Exactly. Um, it, it, it was kind of funny because as we stepped up to the line, uh, this is the first time we've done anything with carbines, uh, with long guns-ish uh, of any sort um, in, in, I would say, probably at least a few months, right? Yeah. Um, uh, had a, a number of guys step to the line uh, on the beep, get the loudest noise in the world being a click right. when you're expecting a bang. Um, and, and unfortunately it, normally most of us learn vicariously through others. So when somebody does something like that and the whole group goes, Oh, and throws gravel at you and then, and, and basically makes fun of your parentage and stuff like that because you did it. Um, most everybody kind of, stu- yeah, most guys, most guys kind of step up and kind of double, triple check their, their stuff, uh, as you're hitting the line and, and getting ready to go. And, and as it worked out, uh, that was not the case. We had a number of guys who, who stepped up and, and really, really dirty worded things up. So, yeah. um, and we're not picking on any one particular person. Cause like I said, there was, there were more than a couple of us that did whatever. Um, but anyway, the, the, the night monster, uh, load and unload procedures and stuff like that. Pat, Pat Rogers used to run through what at the time seemed a relatively elaborate load and unload procedure or load and check load procedure and then check and show clear procedure mentality, um, as an admin system. 
you know, the whole insert the mag, chamber the round, pull the mag back, uh, touch the mag, make sure the bullet's top left or top right or whatever, insert the mag, chamber around, pull it back out, tactilely touch and confirm, blah, 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 blah. Make sure the gun, you know, make sure that the bullet went in and then reinsert the mag, uh, push, pull, make sure the mag's seated, uh, and then, you know, and, and then go from there, close the ejection port, etc. Um, the, the, apparently some folks forgot that or, or hadn't had that beaten into them recently and just weren't thinking about it. Um, all, but preventable things. And, and again, you know, what, what is it Pat used to say something about learning happens through repeated demoralizing failure. I think that's it. I yeah. think that I, I do think that some learning occurred. Um, and, and, and in all fairness, remedial learning yeah, occurred. yeah. Remedial learning occurred. And, and in all fairness, again, we did, you know, a, a couple of those types of errors were guys running different systems, um, and, and having to learn that process, you know, in a low light environment with a system that they, they don't have quite the same amount of experience they do as they did with a rifle. But we, you know, so for some of those guys learning those new systems, kudos for, for, you know, braving the dark and, and trying to figure that out. Um, and, and if you were one of the guys running an existing system, something you've run, you know, for a significant period of time and you had those things happen, then shame, 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 shame. Um, you, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, additionally, we saw things like reload times, um, go exponentially longer than they should have in a number of cases as well, because, you know, you're, you can't see the mag well. Um, we've also got, you know, some, some square range dictates, like keeping the gun pointed at the backstop while you're reloading and stuff like that, that changed the methodology there just a little bit. Um, but you know, ran into some folks struggling to get another mag back in the gun. Um, you know, once struggling to find a mag that too, that too, um, you know, most guys ran just slick mags in back pockets and things, um, started adding layers Mm -hmm. and dark and gloves. Yep. And all of a sudden finding that magazine became a real challenge for a bunch of people. Yeah. And I, and I do think there's a little bit of, you know, again, even though if you're going with street clothes, there's that idea around consistency where you put in your mag at. Um, for me, <clears throat> if, if I'm if I'm not running a plate carrier or war belt, which I chose not to, I wanted to run it. I wanted to run it how I would grab that little AR pistol and go if I if I ever had to. So for me, I just shoved a mag in my back pocket and went on. Um, always shoving that mag in your back pocket so that it. For me, um, I generally run mags um, bullets forward. Um, for rifle mags, uh, same as I run pistol mags. It's just mm-hmm. the consistency of it makes things easy. I don't have to think about it, whatever. And I know that it creates a little bit of rotational aspect to how you're, you know, to what you're doing with the mag and different things like that. But I, I don't really care. I like the consistency of it. So that's what I do. So I made sure that I was putting my back mag in my back pocket with the bullets forward, essentially, basically pointing, you know, outboard, I guess. What are you going to say? It? Um, the, the thing that I found that was kind of interesting, I cheated the first couple of runs on the accelerator because I was running mags clamped together. Um, on a drill like that, mags clamped together are fine. For a home defense gun, mags clamped together are fine. For a gun out in the field where you're moving and going up and down and stuff like that, the mags clamped together without a cover on the non-gun mag, you will likely run into some issues if you're doing anything, any type of aggressive movement or physical athletic yeah. movement, like up and down repeatedly. Um, for this, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going we're gonna to get some good reps. And well, it turned out that actually ended up being some good reps because then when I did go to the back pocket, I still had some of my fastest runs were out of the pocket and not with the mags coupled together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, the, you know, I, I don't know what the prescribed times for that drill would be at these distances with a rifle. I don't feel like we were really anywhere near them. Yeah, daylight... <clears throat> I was actually trying to think through this last night. Yeah. Um, 
the first two shots on the close target should be well under a second. Yep. Um, the switch over to the target at 25 should be like 0.2 seconds to transition and then another like 0.4 to make both hits. Yeah. So now we're, we're still under two seconds and then we're maybe another second to shoot the far target. Yeah. So, I mean, the first six shots should be under three seconds. Yeah. Um, daylight, we've got a second for the reload. And then we're doing it coming back. So, like, how under, long for the how long for the reload? Second, maybe two seconds. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, you know, if you're freaking Ben Stoger, maybe you're doing it in a second. But I think the vast majority of humanity, even with a fair amount of training, um, I know everybody talks about that one second reload. But the only dude who's making a one second reload is the guy standing in front of the mirror every night for ten minutes doing practice that. Um. So we'll call it two seconds. Yeah, call it two seconds. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and, so I, under, and like, I don't think anybody was making that. Yeah, but it like should be eight, eight seconds in the daylight is definitely possible. Yeah, um, and I would say attainable with some degree of practice and familiarity with the system. Yeah, and and I'm gonna and so if I'm looking at those numbers, I'm saying I agree on two. I agree on one second from the low ready to get the first two hits at ten yards because that should really be a hammer uh, or a double. Um, and then go into the second target. You know, if you stretch out the transition to a quarter and each shot to a quarter. That's still less than one second to get the second yep. target taken care of. When you go to the longer target, the transition still should be a quarter. Maybe your shots are taking a little bit longer. You're being a little more precise. Um, but I, I still can't, you know, once you're there, you're there. Uh, yep. Even if you stretch that out and said, okay, we're going to be gracious and give you four seconds to make the hits, two seconds for a reload and four seconds back, it's 10 seconds um, in the dark if you're not, you know, an, you know, a master class or whatever dude or a, a freaking, I don't know, Delta Force guy, whatever, um, and and I still don't think anybody in the dark was sub twelve. Yeah, I don't think anybody made it under twelve. I I got under thirteen a couple of times and was and was consistently, I was either twelve or thirteen. I think I had one run over thirteen um, because I did something stupid with the mag on the reload. So yeah, yeah. the yeah. the big challenge we found um, it was fairly humid the night yep. we were shooting. Yep. So smoke just lingered in the air, which yeah. made the target at fifty. Uh, a real challenge. The first shot, not so much. The yeah. second, third, fourth shots were a real challenge to get yep. positive ID of the target through the smoke. Yep. Um, being able to, to have a good feel for where the rifle was returning. Yep. Um, so you could shoot the, the 50 yard target more like a hammer. Yep. Um, the individual <clears throat> shots was kind of the key to getting this done quickly. Yeah. Uh, but there's, <laughs> you had to really trust that you were putting the gun back where you wanted it. After yeah. The shot. Well, and we've been, but we spent a lot of time with handguns beating on predictive versus reactive and, and, you know, your, your, your feel from doubles. Yeah. And the confirmation, you know, if you're going with the, the, is like one, two and three confirmations, yeah. um, up close is really a one. The middle's maybe a two, maybe not depending on where you're at with a rifle, but the more, the more you were toward a two or one confirmation with your gun and how it felt, where it returns, etc., and how much control you had over the gun, which is directly analogous to running the pistol, what your grip looked like, the better your grip is and the more it returns by feel to where you want it to be, um, the more likely you were, I think, to make those shots, you know, even through the smoke and stuff like that. Because there are a number of times where it seemed like the guys that were, that were, had to slow down and try and make the hit were the guys that were struggling, the guys that were hammering away. Um, were the guys more likely to make the, the second hit, you know, and come back up the line. Um, but it, it, it was interesting. I, I will say that the smoke definitely slowed things down a lot. Um, it was super humid uh, without actually raining. 
and there was no wind, which is odd for the location. Um, usually it clears things out pretty Don't good. Don't speak the name. I know, exactly. So, yeah, it was super, but it was super, super um, unusual conditions in that regard, but something we've all dealt with. And there's a reality check, too. If you got to move, you got to move. It adds time to your time, and adds time to your time. That's part of life. Um, but it was interesting because a lot of guys like tried taking a knee or tried moving a little bit, and you were better off to just shuffle and go if, yeah. if you were actually going to move. Um, which, you know, there may be a reality check to that, too, in your gunfight. Um, you know, maybe in the real world out there at some point, if you're dealing with a rifle or a carbine or something like that, um, if, if the bad guy's far enough away that you're worried about the smoke screwing you up, maybe you just need to leave. Yeah, or use that smoke to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, maybe you just need to leave. Um, you know, at, at those kind of distances. But if that's what the reality is, then, you know, everybody kind of fought through it. But it was fun listening to everybody cry about it, um, including me. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, definitely getting re-familiar again with the rifle. It's something that, you know, your old friend that you know well until you step out in the dark and start doing stuff with it. And it's like, oh, wow, it's been a while. Um, shooting and gun handling are perishable skills for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, gun uh, management are, are perishable skills for sure. Um, and it, and it showed up. So on that. Yeah. Yeah. The, do we want to push to the second drill? Uh, one more thing mm -hmm. you know, with, when we start looking at what long guns are capable of, um, AR pistols, you know, 300 yard gun, yep. um, uh, PCCs easily 200 yard guns. Yep. Um, uh, you know, AR 15, 16 inch carbines, you know, four to 500 yard guns. Yep. Maybe longer with the right ammo and optics and the right person. And the right person. Yep. Uh, so be able to, you know, confidently make a 50-yard shot should be a, like a go no go kind of check. Yeah, I'm saying that's a that should be a no brainer. And there and there were misses oh. on that plate that. And again, I had a couple of them that yeah, were. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So making sure you know your optic, if you're, if all you get to do is shoot inside, you know, take a trip out to EGA. Yep. And get your stuff confirmed, you yep. know, at 50, 100, 200 yards. Yeah. Um, and I would do that with, you know, PCCs. Um, there's no reason you can't use a CZ Scorpion or a BNT or a CMMG Banshee, you know, out to 200. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've had guys within our group make hits on person-sized targets at 300 with a handgun. Um, not a PCC, but a legit handgun, a G17. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there's a reality check to knowing your stuff and knowing your come-ups, and the reality is the drop on a 9mm round. Um, you know, if you have a 25-meter zero on your PCC, you're probably really close to being on at 100 yards, maybe a few inches low, but more than minute a bad guy. And then the same conversation, can you drop that same shot in knowing you're going to lose 12 more inches at 100 yards, at 200 yards, going from 100 to 200, just knowing that, um, heaven forbid, you know, and again, we're stretching things out and saying, um, you know, when are you going to need that? Is that realistic? I don't care. Is shooting a handgun at a hundred yards realistic? Probably not in a fight, but there's the reality check around. It's a great confirmation of your skills. Um, if you can't manage to make a, and we talk about that, that one inch per 10 feet standard, if you can't manage to hit a person sized steel silhouette at hundred yards with your handgun pretty consistently, you are probably doing some things wrong. Whether you need your grip changed, whether you need to fix your trigger pull, which is usually the issue, um, or your sight alignments, what you know, you don't understand your sight alignment or um, your sight picture at those kind of distances, you know, may your sight picture shouldn't change, but your or your alignment shouldn't change, but your picture might change a little bit based on where the target is and what your you know your come ups are with that kind of mentality. It's a good confidence builder. So understanding that some of these things, while they may seem like a circus trick, um, are simply confirming you're doing everything right, essentially on a smaller target when you move it to distance. You can look at it however you want. I don't care how you do it. Put a little bitty target up at 10 feet or go out and shoot at an extreme distance. But now 
bullet drop in atmospheric conditions can become a conversation at the further distance, which requires you to have the full knowledge of the full picture of what's going yeah. on. Yeah, ammo performance just in, yep. call it circular probability of hitting the target, yeah. um, becomes a lot more important too. Absolutely. So you can find you can you can find out what your ammo is going to do at those distances that you might not see when things are up close. Yeah, as, absolutely. If I'm shooting for beers at distance, um, I'm I'm running 147 grain HSTs. Because they shoot really, really well out of Glocks. Um, you know, there may be another round that does just as well. 124 plus P might do it too. I don't know. But if I'm shooting for beers, I'm going to run good ammo. Um, you know, so absolutely. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to beat on that with. But yeah. it, it was a lot of fun. And it was a quick drill to run. And I, and I think it exposed some it exposed some weaknesses that I didn't think would show up that I think any drill would have exposed starting off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And when we set this up, we set it up uh, so you were running it both left to right and then right to left. Yeah. Um, so you kind of swap between the two stations. Yeah. I didn't uh, see a significant difference at times. Did you? You were running the timer more than no, I was. I think okay. times were consistent. Okay. Um, just one of those things as, call it Western civilization, we generally think in terms of left to right yeah. as far as an order of operations. Uh, so making somebody <clears throat> go the other way, uh, just from a breaking out of what we do all the time, I think yeah. it's important. I choose to generally run right to left on targets because the recoil of the gun pushes me that way anyway. Um, but I like I cheat every way I possibly can because I'm just not that good, so i got to do whatever I can do. So, absolutely. Um, the next one that we did uh, was a modification uh, of the Opata rifle qualification. And I'm sure we're going to bone this. So uh, when, when the guys who showed this to us hear how we ran through this and go, you dumbasses, um, we apologize in advance. Um, but essentially, the the state of Ohio Apato rifle qualification is an open source uh, piece of information. Uh, super, super simple qualification. Um, the target generally used is, is in my opinion, a, a poorly designed target. Uh, but it's what's out there and it's what's generally chosen to, to be used. The target itself has an optimum hit zone, which is probably a 10 by 12 box, maybe bigger than that, 12 by 14 box, pretty no, big. It's, like the, it's big. It's big. It might be like USPSA backer size big. It's big. It's really it's, big. It's really big. <laughs> and it, it's a little low on the target, but it's big. Um, and so so running, we, we chose to just run it on on um, on. Ipsic tar or not Ipsic USPSA targets, and then yeah. we and then put eight and a half by fourteen paper up as your hit zone. I think that's maybe the right length or the right height of, of zone, but a little bit narrower, narrower by a couple or maybe even four inches narrower. And then we chose to put it up higher. We put it clear up where the head intersection was, the neck or the head intersection was with the USPSA target. Yeah. So you're so there's hit zones where it should be up high, um, and that's not the fault of any agency or department. That's just the target that they chose to use. Um, but the, so basically what you're doing is you're starting at 50 yards. You have a magazine with six rounds in it. You're dropping a prone and we're, instead of doing this as, oh, I don't know what, six different sequences like of fire or whatever. Or yeah. Whatever. whatever it is. We're basically running this hot, the start to finish going, going hell bent for leather, uh, put some cones up at 50 yards, 25 yards. And then like, is it like 15, 10 and five or something like that? Or it's like 15, seven or 15, 10, seven and five. Yeah. Like all the, the cones were at the places where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was, again, we're doing this in the dark, yep. mounted lights. Yep. Uh, on the cones, we put the little like glow in the dark bracelet thing so you could find them in the dark. Rave, rave bracelets. Rave bracelets. Oomph, oomph, oomph. Yeah, we were, we were, we were partying. It was uh, cool. Yeah, which 
Uh, again, this is one of those things. Should be <clears throat> simple, super simple. Yep. Uh, we did make people do the offside shoulder shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Yep. Because um, it's in the thing, and that yep. actually caused a bunch of mischief and mayhem. Yep. For a lot of people. Um, and and again, I think I do think that's part a part of that's the dark monster. Yeah. Uh, because you don't have the visual reference downrange for where your target is. Um, it, you know, a little bit longer on the light as well, which is kind of one of those things where. Um, if you're going to flick, people couldn't find it yeah, or couldn't get to their site. Um, and, and again, you know, we talk about the, the optimum weapon optic, uh, low power variables. I will say that's one of those, that's one of the things going to the wrong side is where an LPVO requires a little more practice. Um, I would also follow that up immediately with shooting off the wrong side is not something that's going to happen very often. Most of us aren't going to do it unless we're injured. Um, and so going from there, I, I get it. Uh, I was running a dot optic. I had no issues with it whatsoever with no magnification, uh, but it's a lot easier to look through. Um, I, I had issues with glasses fogging up, um, and, and that even at that with a dot optic was like, yeah, just put the big white blob where it needs to be and press the shots off. Um, yeah, I was running an LPVO. I didn't have any trouble seeing it yep. outside shoulder. Yep. Uh, also, not the first time I've done this. Exactly. Yep. And then and for then, a number of people, it was, in all fairness, yeah. again. Um, yeah, and the thing, like, the thing with, you know, you're shooting this, you're keeping your strong hand on the grip. We're just pushing it to the opposite yep. side shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so you're keeping your support hand where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, light manipulation shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, and you were kind of close enough. If you had to, you could probably make the shot. Yeah. Um, with the ambient light. Um, but yeah, it was. It was interesting. It was interesting. <clears throat> the whole, like, adding the timer to this, um, I think, got in some people's heads, too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Timer, timer messes things up just as much as the night monster sometimes. I would agree with that. Well, the the mind eraser they called that for a yeah. reason, right? So, so as we you know we ran through this drill, um, it you know like I said, it's five six different positions. It's a few rounds from each position, um, and and I don't know how far we want to break it down. There's a reload fairly quickly in there, yeah. Um, and it's it's a little bit of up down stand up sit down fight 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 you know that kind of thing you know, uh, but not a complicated qualification in any way shape or form. Um, aside from pushing the gun to the wrong side and trying to shoot through the wrong eye, it's all stuff that seems fairly reasonable and fairly simple. Um, I, I, I was way happier with the results of this than I was with the results of the previous drill as far as accuracy. Um, yeah. we, uh, there might have been a drop shot or two from guys trying to go too fast. Um, but in general, the drop shots were like into the head neck area. They weren't, they weren't low or off to the sides or anything like that. And again, eight and a half by 14 paper, pretty generous target. Um, time wise, once everybody figured out what was going on, which is the same thing for us when we did it. Um, once you figured out what the sequence of the drills were, uh, guys were hot rodding it. They were moving. They were trying to go fast. Yeah. Uh, we had some, we had some dudes slide into the cone and get set up for the kneeling. And it was pretty cool. Uh, there was some aggressive movement there going on, which I think, for me, that's what I got out of what the guys that showed us this were trying to do was trying to speed things up yeah. and push some aggression into the movement, into the drill, rather than just riding it out, having all the time in the world. Yeah. You got 73 seconds to shoot two rounds at eight feet, you know, that kind of crap. Um, this was this was not flash. This was moving. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything around any of that stuff that really was like, you know, hey, work on this, hey, work on that. I mean, everybody just seemed to be moving well once they got the gist of what they were trying to do and kind yeah. of decided to have fun with it instead of worry about some of the idiosyncrasies of it. Yeah, there was a little bit of forgetting of holdover <clears throat> close. Okay. 
uh, where shots in the paper started to get kind of low. Okay. And then headshot, like, they were like, oh, there's some extra rounds in that headshot box. Yeah. Because uh, there should have been four rounds in a headshot box. Yeah. Um, sometimes there were five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, again, now we're doing, as we're changing distances, you know, point of aim, point of impact. Yeah. Is changing. Um, we're running lights. You're turning lights on and off as you're moving. Yeah. Um, get in and out of position, reestablishing shooting positions quickly. Yep. Um, this, running this as an assaulter course actually puts a lot of things together. Yep. Agreed. Um, so hats off to Dustin at OSU for, I think, originally come up with this idea. Okay. He, at least he's <clears throat> the first one I know of that <coughs> came up with this. So yeah. I think, I think this may have came around, you know, different places from him or if somebody else has done it, props to you. Um, yeah, because it puts everything it, together. This is yeah. honestly the way the Opata rifle call should be run. Yeah. Um, and it should probably be done for hit factor scoring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which might be too much math for those guys. Hey, be nice, be nice, right? Uh, but yeah, it, like like you said, though, it puts everything together. You know, the one little oddball is fine, whatever, run with it. Maybe it's something that might save somebody's life at some point. Um, but yeah, it, it and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you know, you should be... With a rifle, I don't know what kind of part-times, you know, I know the part-times are unrealistic for my fat butt, um, but I still want to say that, you know, it, you know, 30 to 40 seconds, somewhere in that range, I think. Yeah, under under 40 at night is definitely doable. Yeah, well, it was, because I did it, um, yeah. and I'm and I'm fat and slow, so yeah, that's that's definitely a doable thing, but I'd also run it a couple times, so I knew what I was getting into, and I was warmed up, because I got to run it a few times as a safety with other people. Um, I, I, I wasn't thinking about the headshot aspect of that. Um, the, there is an actual box on their target and the head is more separated from the body on their target yeah. as well. Cause it's like you said, it's a gigantic flipping target. Um, it's like an alien head. I mean, it's ginormous. It's big, big. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess if you were shooting for that box, you'd have been out a couple. The hits were definitely would have reset somebody's loop or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. changed somebody's behavior, but I didn't think about pushing and saying, Hey, try and hit the three by five card. Yeah, we were. Yeah. I was giving people the entire head. Okay. okay. Uh, it's just that there yeah. were extra rounds in the yeah. head. And I, and again, I would rather see people bias their shots high in the upper thoracic rather than push them low yeah. in the in the you know in the center thoracic or lower thoracic. That's just still going to be a more of a game changer for the bad guy. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't worried about that. And but I did see that as well. Had a couple a couple pushing high. So yeah. uh, those are what what does that prank call? Those are good misses. Uh, yeah, close C's. Yeah, close C's. Those are good misses, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so like I said, it, it, just putting a lot of this stuff together, guys, you can go Google the Opata rifle qual um, and figure out what the actual sequencing is. Run it run it in the daylight for sure. Um, if you've not done this kind of movement with a gun, do it under supervision, you know, the first few times. Run it dry the first couple of times so that you can figure out what all is going on as you're moving with the gun. Uh, also understanding getting in and out of position, getting down to prone, getting back up, getting into a kneeling, getting back up, and then hot dogging it between cones as you're doing a shuttle run, you know, you definitely got to make sure you got control of the muzzle of the gun, make sure everything's pointed in the right direction. Safeties are being used appropriately. Fingers are off the triggers. And then when you go to low light, now you're adding in all those things. Uh, plus light management. Uh, I, I only saw one person, one guy had a, had a malfunction with the gun, had some problems with the gun and, and, and you just kind of, your light's on, your light's on, your light's still on. Yeah. Your light's still on. And, and they finally like literally cussed at me and turned their light off and then went back to fixing the gun. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know. But other than that, I didn't see any, any poor light management. So you? Uh, no, okay. I mean, it was pretty light management was pretty good on this. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, again, with the exception of when we went to that offside shoulder, a bunch of people 
suddenly couldn't turn their light on yeah um, or couldn't turn their light on in what i would call a reasonable amount of time yeah um to be able to do what they needed to do you know and then turn light off and then move advance another what is that another whatever yards yeah um, to the next position pretty close um, <coughs> yeah so again because while you're while you're figuring out how to run your light the timer's still running well and the other thing that i think some folks did too um also to throw out their light management let's talk about sling management yeah. um you know a quick quick adjust two point slings um, you're dropping to prone, so most of the guys were already giving themselves a little bit of room on the sling, and you're not taking the time to readjust it back down tight. Um, when you got to that cross-shoulder transition with a rifle, um, a, a lot of guys started you're choking yourself out a little bit if you didn't give yourself the extra little bit of sling that's, that it yeah. affords you, or if you didn't just take it and just loop it over your neck before you started the drill. Uh, a lot of times when you're doing something that's athletic like this, I'll take the sling out from underneath the left arm and just throw it around my neck and go. Uh, and I, and that's more of a nod to like watching guys like Pat Mack and some of these other dudes that when you're getting ready to run with a gun, they'll drop that arm out and just go, um, gun still attached to you. Um, you know, but, and, and it's, it's safe in general. Um, and so a couple of the guys as they were getting choked out by their sling chose to go full left hand and just switch entirely Mm -hmm. to a left handed, left handed grip, left handed front end. And that was the point where I saw a lot of light issues, a lot of light failures with guys who kind of gave up on that cross shoulder thing and just switched. And then all of a sudden like, crap, I can't reach anything. So there's a lesson to be learned there too. So yeah, um, this was, this was a lot of fun. Um, this was, a something you could easily do, you know, with a group of buddies, um, you know, you know, dedicate an hour to each of these drills and get a good two hour training session in, not shoot 11 billion rounds. I don't, I don't know if I shot maybe a hundred. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I don't think I shot more than two hundred rounds, or more than one hundred fifty rounds for the whole thing. Maybe not even that that much. Yeah, um, twelve rounds a run, yep. and then the Apollo thing. We actually <laughs> skipped two rounds in it. Yeah, because uh, we forgot about how to do part of it. Yeah, uh, the, the instructions aren't very good when you try to read them backwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like twenty. I think it, the way we ran it was twenty three rounds per run. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not a ton of rounds um, to do all the stuff that we did. Yeah. Uh, one other issue that came up, uh, I think, for a number of people, was intensity of their dot and managed with the flashlight. Yep. Uh, so when we were at fifty, um, having the light, having your dot dim enough that you can get a decent indication of where it is on the target um, is important. Yep. But then also having the dot bright enough um, that you can see the dot at the 10-yard target. Yeah, or 5-yard. Uh, or the 5-yard target, uh, yeah. especially when we start getting into really high output lights like the cloud defensive, the rain, or the owl. Yeah. Um, one of the issues, we had a gentleman running an EOTech, um, got real frustrated because he was his dot was set up for 50 yards, and when he got up close, he had everything washed out. Yep. Um my initial run on accelerator, I had too much intensity on my AccuPower or Credo, Credo yeah. AccuPower. I'll get the older one. Yeah. Um, so I actually had to dial that down a little bit. But then with the LPVO, because it's an etched reticle with a regular crosshair, yeah. Um, it just goes black at the close when it washes out the illumination. Yeah, washes um, out the color, but there's still an etched black reticle there. Etched black reticle's still there. Yeah. Um, so kind of a call it a Plus for the LPVO in this yep. kind of low light situation. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you're running, you know, an optic that has an auto adjust, um, kind of get a feel for what that auto adjust is going to do. Yeah. At these kind of distances. 
uh, something you probably do, you know, in the comfort of your house. Yeah. Or maybe discreetly in a backyard or something. Yeah. There's and there's uh, there's no right answer on that. You got to find out what your stuff's going to do. And then yeah. also know how to very quickly, you know, know where the buttons are so you can bump things up or down. Yeah. Uh, and then be able to do that while wearing gloves. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, guys, this is this is a lot of knowing your stuff. We've talked about some of the auto adjust features. Um, if you don't have them turned on, running lights outside. Um, and the, and the flip side of that would have been inside might have been even worse in this case because if you're inside a structure, white painted walls, light painted yeah. walls, white painted ceiling, you might have had a lot of wash out of that. And that is where some of the adjustable uh, intensity, auto adjust intensity optics are kind of cool. Or understanding that you maybe you've got to set that optic up for you you know the most the biggest concern, the biggest threat might be up close. So it's got to be yeah. bright. And if you're outside, then hopefully you're finding cover if there's distance and you've got time uh, in theory, but learn how to work through both of those for sure. For sure. Because that's something you're probably going to bloody your nose on with good lights on and good optics either way. Yeah. So, yep. 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 Um, I don't have anything else to add, man. I, I had fun doing this. I enjoyed the little bit of cardio, a little bit of running was kind of nice too. Um, I, I thought this was a, a super good couple hours of just running a gun and having fun. Yeah. So, yep. Cool, cool. Uh, anything else? Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's probably coming out on December 23rd or 24th. Yep. Uh, we are closed for winter break <clears throat> starting December 24th, and that runs through January 3rd. Yep. Uh, so we will see you again January 4th uh, for 2022, whether that is a good year or if it's 2020 part two. Yeah, we'll uh, see. We're here to find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we will... We will see you in the new year. Uh, we're in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. Uh, yeah, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Um, we have exceptional confidence that Silencer Shop will be doing everything they can to use a new ATF e-form system yep. um, to make Silencer stuff go <coughs> even faster and smoother than it has been um, since they got involved in it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we still love the guys over Silencer Shop. You can find a link to our portal there on our website. Uh, on our social media, we've got new Instagram, uh, Cassidy Outfitters 2. Uh, please give us a follow on there. Uh, we're doing our best to kind of stay under the radar and play nice with the Instagram uh, community Nazis. guidelines. And Nazis. Nazis and fascists and yeah. commies and whatever they got going on there. Uh, also, we're on Facebook. Search for Cap City Outfitters. And then sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on the website or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And we'll send you an email once a week. Merry Christmas and thanks for tuning in.